today we want to start our series called Storyteller. And I want to communicate with you today the power of your story. The power of your story. And we're going to start by reading our text in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to go from 10, 10, verse 10 to verse 15. And I'm reading out of the Message Bible, so if, if you can't find that really quick or you don't have a Message Bible with you or it's not, you don't have your device, just look up on the screen. And those of you church online, you'll receive it uh, online there. But let's just read it together, reading from the Message Bible, and, and everyone read. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. And whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, in trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you to bless it. Help me, Heavenly Father, to be effective in the presentation of it. God, move me out of the way. Just, just stand in my stead and just speak through me. Let every heart be open and let every person be ready to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, you look like you lost weight. Now you can be seated. God is good. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, uh, uh, a lady that's in her middle years, middle-aged. Um, she's lived a lot of life in the few years that she's been alive. She's been a person who is kind of on the outside, kind of off the outskirts of life. Mainstream of life is flowing steadily and readily aside from her and she seems to be outside the, the, the mainstream she seems to be uh, hurt maybe beat down kind of downtrodden maybe even a little depressed discouraged defeated she she does she does some things that are kind of interesting like a lot of people do who live in kind of a downtrodden discouraged overwhelmed state a lot of times what we try to do is we try to hide. That's what she did in her life. She tried to hide. She, she, would, she would kind of find herself um, away from everyone else. And when there would be gatherings of people, she would know, I'm not going to that because I don't want to be around all those people. I'm going to stay to myself because I've got things I'm dealing with. I've got issues that I've gone through. And to be honest, those people don't understand me and some of them don't even like me. 
And so she isolated herself and she caused herself to be disconnected, not only from the mainstream of life, but even any people who would get together at all, she just didn't want to be a part. She just, she had too much going on because to, to be honest, she was hurt. She had huge gaping wounds emotionally in her life. She had huge gaping wounds mentally in her life and especially huge gaping wounds relationally in her life. She was a young woman like many young women, and she had gotten married, and it was a beautiful thing. Like all brides, she was excited. She, she was happy. She wanted to have this life, and she got married, and, and it, did, it didn't work out. The thing came crashing down. Her husband more than likely abusive. Her husband more than likely hard on her, difficult on her, decided he no longer wanted her. And in her culture, it was fine to just cast her aside and move on. But that wasn't the end of her relational conflicts because then she got married again. And when she got married again, uh, it seemed to be okay and everything's going to work out. And then pretty soon the same thing happened in this situation. She couldn't get along with her husband. Her husband mistreated her and she was thrown aside again. And again, in her culture, it was just fine for this to happen. Third time, fourth time, fifth time. And at this point, this lady's going, now wait a minute, something's wrong with me. I've not lost one husband, two husbands, three husbands, four husbands, but I've lost five husbands. Not to death, I'm not a widow, I've just lost these men who were in my life that were supposed to be partner with me, that were supposed to be my other half, that were supposed to be in union with me, but they've all left me, they've all abandoned me, something must be wrong with me. At the very minimum, I'm attracting people who are abusive, people who don't care, people who are hard-hearted. Something about me is drawing them into my life. I, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do about this, but my life is horrible. And because of this, her relational problems and her relational context over and over again, the community just basically disowned her because they assumed what kind of woman she was. Instead of seeing her for hurt and, and burdened and dysfunctional and messed up that they could come in and try to help and give hope to and give encouragement to, they just cast her aside. And so she would find herself not wanting to be talked about, not wanting to be communicated against, not wanting to be the fodder for all the women's gossip. When the women would get together in their communal places, she would stay away. If they went early in the morning somewhere, she would make sure she went at noon. If they went at noon, she went at night. She was not going to be around them. She was not going to be the talk of the town. She was not going to let people hurt her anymore. So one day... In the middle of the day, she goes to get water at the well. Now, you've probably referred to this lady just as I have as the woman at the well. Because we read in John chapter 4 that Jesus had been doing ministry with the disciples and he was tired and he told them to go get some food and he said, I'm just going to sit here at Jacob's well. And so here he is at Sychar, and he's sitting there. Now, I, I know Jesus well enough, and my friend Ralph and I talk about how God orchestrates the universe, and I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I know him well enough to know that he wasn't just resting. 
Jesus is so awesome to not just, he always shows up just at the right time. You know, he gets you right in the right spot, gets you in the right setting, gets you in the right situation, and then just shows up. And sometimes we're like, where's God? Where's God? And then in the moment that's perfect, we go, there he is. And here she was in, the, in, 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 the, in, in her life where she thought, honestly, she thought it's never going to get better. I have no hope for the future. I cannot even begin to understand this context. I, 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 I'm done. I'm done with life. So, so, so now she has a man, but she's not even married to him. She's like, I've tried the marriage thing. It doesn't work. I'm just going to live with him. So now they're living together. So she walks up. She's getting water. Jesus just happens to be there. And he sits down and he says, hey, give me, give me a glass of water. You know, Jesus was somewhat obtrusive at times. He would sometimes just insert himself into your situation. You know, he still does that if we're sensitive to him. He'll show up and insert himself into your situation and do something for you or with you or in you or through you if you'll allow him to do it. So he's sitting there at the well. This lady's getting a drink. And he just says, he just invites himself to her help. Hey, give me a drink of water. And she goes, you're, you're a Jew, and you're asking me, a Samaritan woman, to give you a drink. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how Jesus just loves everybody? And even when there are cultural things that are wrong in a culture or wrong in a society, Jesus just goes right past all of that, breaks down all those walls, and just gets right to the heart of the matter. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a Samaritan. I love you. Jews don't like Samaritans. Why would you even be speaking to me? You're a rabbi. I, I'm just a woman and a woman of ill repute. Why would you even be talking to me? Jesus, as if to not even hear her, just keeps talking. He said, if you knew who I was, because she said, who are you? He said, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't be getting me a drink of water. You'd be asking me for a drink. She said, how are you going to give me a drink? You don't even have a cup. He said, the water I can give you will make you never thirst again. Jesus was trying to get her to look at a spiritual place instead of this physical place. Yeah. See, she was trying to fill all of her needs in the physical. She's trying to get a man to fill her needs. She's trying to get money to fill her needs. She was trying to get isolation to fill her needs. None of this physical stuff can ever fill our needs. And Jesus was trying to just get us to look above the horizon for a moment and say, there are some answers, there are some solutions, but you just need to get your perspective changed. And so he said, listen, I can give you, she said, well, then give me that water so I don't have to come up here no more. I'm sure she said it just like that. And Jesus said, go get your husband. <laughs> I love Jesus because he just meets you right where you're at and he doesn't care to just bring up all the stuff. How many of you have ever had Jesus just bring up all the stuff with you? I love Jesus because he, does he doesn't play games. He's not afraid to go, yeah, that's a problem. You know, we're all trying to hide from those problems and act like we don't have those problems and, 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 and think we always have to live in these problems and we're just hoping that Jesus will take us at the end of time. No, Jesus will walk right up into your business and say, hey, this is a problem. You need to change this. He says, go get your husband. And she goes, uh, well, it, the Bible doesn't even say how she responded because she, she, I'm sure she was like this. I don't know what to do. She, always, she already saw him as a holy man and she's like, I don't know how to respond to this. And, and, and she said, well... She finally did respond. She said, I don't have a husband. And you know what Jesus responded to her? Man, you're honest. All this stuff he could have called out on her. All this immorality and dysfunction and mess ups and one husband after another. He could have called her out. You're sinful. You're bad. You know what he said? He said, you sure are honest. 
He, he, he picked the one thing out of, uh, that would be positive in that moment and said that. I mean, how, how often are we looking at the negatives and we want to call all the negatives all the time and just point out how bad people are thinking that's what's going to get them to make a turn? And Jesus speaks to the one thing in her that was good. Hey, you told the truth. And then he went on to say, but you've had five husbands. And you're not married to the man you're living with now. I tell you this story not for the story's sake because you've heard the story many times. And I don't tell you all those little concepts about Jesus and how he interrelated with her. Because you know all of that. You've heard that. But here's what I want to tell you. The next thing that happened. This woman was so unbelievably changed by that encounter with Jesus. She was so unbelievably connected in that moment. All of her sin came up and she released it and let it go. In that moment, she said to herself, I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 a religious person or an unreligious person. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Samaritan. I'm just me. And God has spoken into my life at this moment. And I don't know what this is about, but I'm going to tell somebody that this guy is in town. And she leaves the well. I mean, she leaves him standing, sitting there, runs into town and starts telling her story. She starts telling everybody she can tell. She starts touching everybody she can Now listen, this is the woman just a few, just a few moments before was at the well in order to not be at the well when everybody else was at the well. This was the woman who was isolating herself and wouldn't be, but she has been so thoroughly changed by her encounter with Jesus that she runs into the community, into the gathering places, and begins to say, come see a man. He told me everything about my life. Could this be the Messiah? She immediately began to tell her story. This is a perfect example of spreading the joy. You know, we're, our whole theme this year is about spreading the joy. It's about, it's about taking the joy of Jesus into someone else's life. And we're giving you all kinds of examples. And we got one that's coming up that's going to be really good that we're going to do as a whole church. Can't wait for you to be a part of that. But we're talking about, you know, do something practical, do something graceful, do something good to somebody, and then connect it to Jesus. You know, don't just do something good and run away and say, oh, I hope they, I hope they know that Jesus loves them. No, you got to connect it to Jesus. Well, I don't want anybody to know who did it for them. Well, don't tell them you did it if you don't want to tell them you did it, but connect it to Jesus. Because in the world we live today that is so polytheistic, people will think some this is, this is what is it, karma. This is karma. I did something good. Someone did something good for me. It's not karma. It's Jesus. Jesus laid you on somebody else's heart to care about you and to give you hope and encourage you. You need to connect it to Jesus. So, so, so sharing or spreading the joy isn't just about um, doing something nice for somebody. It's about the motives behind doing something nice and communicating what we're trying to do. Because we're letting them know we love you, Jesus loves you, Jesus cares about you. And this is a perfect example of it. Scotty's story is a perfect example of it. Sharing your story, being a storyteller is the perfect example of it. Now, you need to be a good storyteller, not a bad storyteller. How much we, we're too good at telling bad stories? Come on. And some of us are too bad telling good stories, right? 
I'll give you an example. My dad, my, my sister, we have a tape, or we used to have a tape of her, my little sister, who's, she's 40-something now. When she was little, like right before kindergarten, we have a tape of her, and The Incredible Hawk had just come out on TV, Lou Ferrigno, the real one that you don't have to have all the CGI for. The real Hulk, please. And, uh, and, and, and so she, she, we had watched this, and so we caught her one day, and my dad recorded it, and she was just in the room, and she was, she was the Hulk, and she was the person being rescued by the Hulk, and she was turning into the Hulk. I mean, total great imagination, but she lied like the devil. You know what I'm saying? Because that imagination would cause her to say things that were absolutely not true. So when my parents took her to kindergarten, here's what they said. When they went up and met the teacher, listen. She said, my dad said, ma'am, listen. Uh, if you don't believe anything she says about you, we won't believe anything. Or if you don't believe anything she says about us, we won't believe anything she says about you. That's the good thing about telling our story of faith, though, is we don't have to make it up. It's real. Our encounters with Jesus, our connections with Jesus. It's a perfect example of spreading the joy. Spreading the joy isn't merely doing some good practical things, but it's, it's taking Jesus into someone else's world by communicating the stories that happen in your life when your story intersects with the story of the gospel. And, and this is not a one-time event of salvation, but God interacts with us all over our life and gives us all of these stories where his spirit and his power and Jesus himself interacted with us. And when we want to share the gospel with someone, sometimes we're so intimidated by it. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. I don't know everything about the Bible, but can you tell your story? Can you do what Pastor Scotty did on that video just now? Just say, hey, this is a thing that happened in my life, and I'm fully aware that God saved me, God kept me alive, and then in that same year, God saved me, and it wasn't long after that, his whole entire family got saved. Can I just tell you something? When we tell these stories, these are stories that change people's lives. When the woman ran into the city of Samaria and said, come see a man, what happened? They knew her to be who she was. And when they saw this change in her, what did they do? They said, we got to go see what's going on. And they ran out there and said, we want to see for ourselves. We're not just going to take your word for it. We want to see for ourselves. And that's the whole goal of being a Christian, ladies and gentlemen. We want to tell our story in such a convincing and persuasive way that someone who's hearing our story will say, hey, 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 that's great. I want to go see for myself. So I'm going to give you three steps to tell your story. Write it down. Write it down. Three steps to tell your story. The first thing is you need to know your story. If you not write it down, you're not going to remember it. Unless you have a photographic memory. And if you do, you should be up here teaching. <laughs> know your story. What is your story? What is your story? And you might say, well, if I can't think of a story, then do not, do not have a story. No, I think you do if you're a believer, if you're a Christian. But sometimes we just let life overshadow our story and we really forget our story. We forget what God really did for us. We forget of the changes that he made in our life. And as I was sitting down preparing these notes, I started remembering all kinds. If I told you all the stories that I remember when I started preparing this message, I couldn't even begin I couldn't even begin to, it would take us three years. I could sit up here and tell story after story of what God has done in my life 
all my whole life, since I was a baby till now. But we have to know what our story is because you can't tell a story if you don't know a story. And so first and foremost, you have to know the story of Jesus. You have to really understand what Jesus did for us and that he died in our place and he paid the penalty for our sin. And a lot of times it's sin and fear and doubt and all of those things that are what is overshadowing our story. Because here's the deal. The devil doesn't mind if you're going to heaven or if your life has been changed. He does mind, however, if you start telling people about it. Because he knows when that story is shared, somebody else's story is going to have an encounter with the story of Jesus, and it's going to give them a new story. I don't want the old story. I could tell you the old story. I, 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 hate, I hate it when we get around Christians that, 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 that they're, they, 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 somehow they take a testimonial and turn it into how bad they were. How many of you have ever been around anybody like this? Before long, we're glorifying the devil, telling him how sorry we were. Man, the devil had me. I was where I did this. And then you got the guy who's always one upping in the story. You know that, you know that guy? Like, well, I smoked, I smoked dope when I was a kid. Well, I I did coke and smoked dope and and dope smoked and coke smoked and I was on crack. I was on crack. (laughs) That's not the who cares about that story? What did Jesus do to change that? That's the story I want to hear. How come you're not like that anymore? If you'd have met me when I was 16 years old, you'd have thought that dude's going to prison. That dude's uh, that dude's mean. That dude's a drunk. That dude is not, he's not a good person. He's a weird guy. That's what you would have thought about me at 16. And don't, before you judge me, let's not talk about how what we think about you when you were 16. Come on. But the truth is, I don't want to know how bad I was. I want to know how God took that person who was so messed up, who would lie to you to your face, know I was lying to you, and just lie to you for anything that could benefit me. But I don't want to hear about all the lies. I want to hear about what God did to change this person and brought this person out of that person. Because that's the victory that God gives us. You mean God can make me perfect? Well, sure, God can perfect you. But perfecting you is going to take some time. Took you some time to get the way you are. Come on, somebody say amen. Know your story. What is your story? Whenever you've had moments where the story of the gospel has intersected with the story of your life, what was the outcome? And how do you share that with someone? In other words, what has God done for you? One of my favorite stories is Jesus about Jesus was when he encountered the blind man. John chapter 9, there's a scripture that says, and you've heard me preach a message about this if you've been here very long, called When Jesus Passed By. Because there's a scripture that says there was a blind man sitting at a gate and Jesus passed by and he healed him. When Jesus passes by, things change, but I'm not going to preach that message today. We've, you, you can go back in the archives and find that. But the truth is, I love it because here's what happened. Jesus passed by and the disciples asked him, they said, they said, did this man sin or did his family sin? Is that why he's blind? And, and so they were trying to find a reason to blame his blindness on their guilt. Somehow your mom and dad sinned and that's why you're blind. Or you sinned and that's why you're blind. And this is a direct result of the judgment of God. And Jesus turns the, flips the script on them and says, says something so r- radical, it's crazy. He said, no, this is for the glory of God. What does that mean? And then Jesus heals him. And so the religious people get mad about it, and they trying to. They said, "Who is this man, Jesus?" And they were talking to the blind man, trying to get get some information out of him. And they said, "He's just a sinner. He's a sinner." 
And the blind man said something so powerful. It's one of the greatest stories in the Bible. He says this, I don't know whether or not he's a sinner. All I know is once I was blind, now I see. When we tell our story, all we're doing is saying, this is where I was, met Jesus, now this is where I am. Some of y'all might say, well, my life ain't so great. Well, let me just clarify something for you. It's not Jesus' fault. Everybody look at me. I want to say it again. Well, my life, I've still got all these problems and all these issues, and I'm not delivering. I'm not where I need. It's not his fault. Because God, in, in his son, Jesus, gives us freedom, gives us life, gives us forgiveness of sins, empowers us by his Holy Spirit. And if we are not experiencing and walking in that, that's not him, that's us. And we need to dig a little deeper. We need to study the word. We need to change our thinking. Because when Jesus touches you, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Here I was, messed up up met Jesus here I am still got some issues but God's working on me are you with me he replied whether he's a sinner or not I don't know but one thing I do know I was blind now I see so your first step in telling your story is to know your story second step look for opportunities to insert your story in your relationships, in the context of your life, in your day-to-day goings-on, look for an opportunity to insert your story. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we're paying attention, there are moments when our story will make a difference. Man, this last year and a half, there are so many moments in every one of our lives, and I hope to God that we didn't miss them. Where we could insert our story to make a difference. That's what we're doing here. Leading people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Your story will make a difference to someone. You say, well, you know, you shouldn't tell somebody that you know exactly how they feel because you've gone through it. I didn't say say that. No one can really know exactly what someone else has gone through because all of our situations are different. But I can tell you this right now. When I'm in a low place and I'm in a difficult spot, when somebody comes around and starts telling me about what God did in their life or how he delivered them or how he got them over or how he walked them through, I'm going to tell you something right now. It may not be exactly my story, but it sets my focus on the Father and I know something good is coming. I know God's going to come through for me too. If he'll come through for them, he'll come through for me. Come on, if one of us is going to clap, let's all of us clap today and give God praise for what he's done. Amen. If we're paying attention, there are moments when our story will make a difference. I've, I've, I've seen my story make a difference on an aisle in Walmart. I've seen my story make a difference in a shop at Disneyland. I've seen my, 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 my story make a difference when I was running with a friend. I've seen my, 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 my story make a difference when I was talking to a neighbor. I've seen my story when I was in the middle of a work day with a fellow employee. I've seen my story when I was uh, talking to people who work for me and people who I've worked for. There are always in our relationships and in the context of our life opportunities for us to tell the story, to be the storyteller. And in the moment, in the moment that you are becoming the storyteller, what is happening is the anointing of the Holy Spirit is settling on you you and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is beginning to work on the heart of the person that you're telling the story to and God has opened up this opportune moment this divine moment for something to happen for life to be changed or a life to at least very minimum be impacted are you with me 
Think, think of it as sowing seeds. You know, you're, you, we know farming around here. Think of it as sowing seeds. You, you may not bring someone to a decision. The moment you sow a seed into the ground, a harvest doesn't come up the next day or it doesn't come up in the next moment. And sometimes when we tell our story, it's not about making a change right then. But sometimes it's about a seed that God's planting in someone's heart because someone else is going to come by them a little later and share hope with them as well. And someone else is going to come by their life and maybe they're going to go through a circumstance and they're going to remember back to your story and say, how does that apply to this situation? And that seed that you've planted in their heart, God is watering it with his Holy Spirit and he's watering it with other people. And, 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 and before you know it, this person is ready to make a difference. Jesus, why do you tell stories? To ready hearts. Because people's hearts are hard. Sometimes believers, let's just be honest. Sometimes our hearts are hard. Sometimes we let the circumstances of life, a lot of us probably need to pray through over this right now. We've allowed the last year and a half to kind of make us a little bit jaded. Jaded towards people. Jaded towards faith. Jaded towards circumstances. Locking into doubt and fear, locking into bitterness and contention, locking into things that are frustration. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to let God create another. That's, that's what the Christian life is. You know what? Honestly, that's all the Christian life is, letting God continue to tell your story. He created you for purpose. He created you for destiny. He created you for your life to be changed. So let him let that come out. Let him do that over and over again in your life. This can happen with an acquaintance, a friend, a neighbor, a family member. When we spread the joy, it's like planting a seed that through relationship and prayer can lead to someone coming to know Jesus and have their own story. It would be awesome to just set the devil straight. The devil don't want you telling your story. The devil don't want you having victory. The devil doesn't want you to get over. But wouldn't it be awesome that you start sharing your story? You start becoming a, te a storyteller in your life. And all of a sudden, the encounter that people have with you and the story you're telling gets on them. And God gives them a new story. Now they start telling their story. Now I'm going to tell you, that's an actual fact. Did you know that most people are one to the Lord? They're brought to a decision to follow Jesus by someone who's been saved and come to the knowledge of Christ in less than a year 85% of people why because when you encounter Jesus and you really experience who he is you do exactly what the woman at the well did you start telling that story you're not perfect you don't know the word she didn't know anything all she knew is there's a man up here at the well something different about him come and join me let's see what it is you have that opportunity every weekend. Come to church and see the man. Not this man. Not any man on this stage. Not any man in this room. Not any woman here. No, the man. The all-sufficient God. The King of kings. When we get in worship, that's the presence of God. Encountering, We're encountering when we worship him. You get that feeling of, man, this just feels so great. What is going on here? I tell you what's going on. You started telling God how great he is and he showed up to talk to you about it. I'm sorry, I'm, I could just lose it right now. I just feel so excited. God is, that song got me stirred up. God is up to something. I don't know if you see it. I don't know if you sense it. But I'm going to tell you, if we had the urgency, I'm going to tell you, I'm be honest. If we had the urgency of what we really think God is up to, every seat we have and every service we come to will be filled. We'd be bringing people with us every day. Why? Because, because we don't want to think that whatever God's up to, somebody we know and love's going to miss out on. 
It may take a long time. I've got to quickly finish. You, many of you know that last year I lost my dad. Well, Janae's dad, but I considered him my dad. And he went through a battle. And it was tough. And he made some decisions to go through that battle. And it was hard on us. And you know, all my life, as, a, as I've been married to Janae, it was in my heart to share faith. And as much as we could, we shared our faith. Because you know how family is. You know how people are. You know how we all are together. We have these little awkwardnesses about each other. And we're not sure how other people feel. And so, you know, I would say what I could. We'd pray when we could. We'd talk when we could. I wrote letters when I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to do it. Because, because I was trying to honor my family at the same time, share the gospel. And the older that Dick got and the older I got, we would have more and more conversations about Jesus or more and more conversations about prayer or more and more conversations about what was going on in the world. He's a good man. I'd sit out on the back porch and we'd just talk. And uh, we got down to it and he was, he was literally dying. And he had cancer, lung cancer. And uh, he got down towards closer to the end, and Janae and I had come to visit, and he was still very lucid and talking, having conversations, but he was in so much pain. And I remember we were about to leave because we had to come home, and we were going to come right back in the next few days, but we, we had to go. Came back here, and I remember the whole church prayed for our family. But I just felt compelled. And so I said, Dick, I just need to know, have you made your peace with God? Do you want to pray with me? And we had noticed some changes in him over time. And I just thought maybe it was because he was sick, maybe because of this. But no, something was different. And he said, yes, please pray. And he grabbed my hand and he put it on his chest. And Janae and I sat there and we prayed. And we prayed with him, and we prayed for him, and we led him in prayer. And then we got up, and we said, love you, Dad. And we went home. And we came back, and we went through the whole process of him dying over those weeks and months. And uh, I knew and had assurance that he made a decision for God. He was always a good man, but I was never sure about his relationship with God, but I knew in that moment, I was able to stand up at his funeral to his family and say he made his peace with God because he told me looking me in my eyes. And I wondered about it because the devil will mess with you. Are you sure your family's saved? Are you sure they're going to have? And you know it, but he wants you to doubt it. He wants you to be tormented. And I was, we, we uh, they were on our family plan for phones and I was taking his phone and getting all the stuff off of it. And, and as I was taking his phone, getting all the stuff off of, of it to, 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 to just get, get rid of it or whatever, I started, I saw some emails from a website and I was looking through and months before we had that prayer, he had gotten on some Christian e uh, email thing and he was having scriptures sent to him every day. So every day he was looking at those scriptures. And it was just another confirmation. 
And I tell you this story because I want you to understand when we connect with stories, when we understand what other people and their encounter with God go through, it causes us to be able to know I have a story too and I can tell the story and my story could make a difference in someone else's life. As a matter of fact, it could make such a difference that they could encounter the same Christ I've encountered and God could give them a story that has life-changing implications. And I just remember I was, I was I, I'm not one of those guys, so I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but I'm not, I don't get a lot of dreams or a lot of visions from God, but I've had moments in my life where I woke up and I knew that was a dream from God. And uh, a few weeks after Dick passed and we were just kind of grieving, I read something this week that I thought was really powerful and I think is very true. Grief is the cost of love. When we love someone and they, and we, and they go on, they pass on, there's no, there's no explanation for anything but just it's grief. That's the cost you pay. If you don't love them, you don't care. But if you deeply love them, the grief is deep. Then you have to go through that process. That's the price we pay, these human connections. And I remember I was asleep and I, I, all, all of a sudden have start having this vis, vivid dream. And, and, and in this vivid dream, I, were in, I was in the back of a Jeep. Not, not Scotty's Jeep, but uh, <laughs> it's all about Jeeps today. No, I was in the back of like a safari Jeep in Africa. I go to Africa a lot. And I was in, in Africa, and we were just driving out, and you could just see the fields of Africa everywhere, and it was just so beautiful. It was such a wonderful day, and the breeze was cool across my face, and there were several people in the back of the Jeep with me, and I didn't know who they were, and I don't even remember who they were, but I just remember we were just having so much fun and laughing and cutting up. And in the distance, I could see there was somebody coming, and they were on a horse, a big white horse, and I just noticed that on that big white horse, that the, there was no saddle or anything like that. There was no gear at all, no bridle, anything. Whoever was riding on the back of that horse just knew that horse and he had his legs around that horse and just was controlling everything and he had his hands up and he's waving at me and said hey hey how you doing and 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 he just kept getting closer and closer and closer and the closer he got I started recognizing him and the closer he got to that jeep I, I remember seeing a picture of Dick when he was in his 30s and that's who I saw on that horse and his hair was blonde and and he was riding that horse and he's waving at me and he was tan and he was just and he was just he was smiling and laughing and all of a sudden out of nowhere this huge lion huge lion that was as big as him sitting on top of that horse and that lion was this high and it was running right alongside and it just you know it just kind of reminded me of the movie Narnia that's what it was like this big lion he was just running alongside the horse and then they just kept getting closer and closer and closer to me. And all of a sudden, Dick leaned off of that horse, kind of like this, reached around the... <laughs> reached around the neck of that lion and hugged it and looked at me. And if you know him, he, he winked at me. He smiled and winked. Well, you don't have to think very hard or understand anything very deep to know the symbology of that dream and that that lion, we know him as Jesus Christ. And it was just God's way of saying to me, he's not in pain. He, he's, not, he's not missed it. He's in relationship with me. He loves me. And, and, and letting him wink at me like that, it was like he was saying, 
everything's okay. I tell you that story not to, not to erupt emotion on the inside of you or to get emotional myself. I tell you that story because that's my story. That's a part of who I am. That's who God created me to be. And God's using my life and my story to affect the stories of others. And I'm telling you, you have just as equally vivid stories that God wants to do and is doing and has done in your life. You just have to capture them. You need to understand that you, 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 you first, first we got to know your story. Then you have to look for opportunities to insert your story. And then lastly, lastly, you have to simply tell it. Would you look at your neighbor real quick? Go ahead, don't be shy. And just say this, stop holding your story back. You might think my story's not important enough, my story's not elaborate enough, I haven't been saved from death or rescued. And... But let me just say something, your story is so important. And your story in certain moments, even if it's just this was my life, God, I met Jesus and this is my life now. Even just that story, you could tell that story over and over and over again. And in certain moments and in certain times and in certain places, it will change a life. Peter simply told his story. Well, Peter was the father of the church. Peter was the, 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 the big dog. He was the man. He simply told his story. Every time he got up to talk in front of us, he just told the story of Israel. He just told the story of what Jesus did for him. That's all he did. Just told the story. John simply told the story. I was just reading in the epistles of John. He was saying, hey, I'm just about to tell you about something that I've seen with my own eyes. I've touched with my own hands. I've heard with my own ears. I was there with Jesus. As we read the epistle of John, you need to understand, you're reading from someone who walked on the streets with Jesus. He's just telling his story. Paul simply told his story when he stood up in front of the king, Felix. What did he say? This is what happened to me. I was on the road to Damascus. I was trying to take Christians to jail. God met me there, changed my life. Just tell your story. If you haven't developed into a Bible scholar yet, and you're a new Christian, it's okay. Just tell the story of your interaction with the gospel. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not a learned Bible scholar, the, or if you are a learned Bible scholar, the best thing you could do is don't try to convince everybody how scholarly you are. Just tell your story. Paul was one of the greatest minds in history. How did he express the gospel? By telling his story. Peter was considered ignorant and unlearned in his early ministry. How did he preach the gospel? By telling his story. If I were to tell you that your story could change someone's eternal destination, would you tell it? If I were to tell you that your story could turn someone's life from hopelessness to hopefulness, would you tell it? If I were to tell you that your family's spiritual future hinges on you telling your story, will you tell it? If I were to tell you that your friend's life would positively be impacted if you would just tell your story, would you be willing to tell it? The good part is that every one of us who've encountered Jesus, every single one of us who know God have a story to tell. Do you know your story? Are you seizing opportunities to share it? Are you telling it? Head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're with us today, from church online or here in person 
and you do not know Jesus Christ or he has not changed your story, I just want to encourage you, now's the time. We're living in a time, I'm telling you, where I feel like God is up to something. That what we see now in our experience with God is nothing compared to what we're about to see. I know that there's only negatives, it seems like, all around us, but I'm telling you, there is an undercurrent of what God is doing around this globe that many of us are not aware of, but I'm telling you, there is revival breaking out in nations all over this globe, and God is up to something, and if our hearts will be open, our hearts will be ready, I'm telling you, He will change our lives. The question today is, are you ready? Have the stories that we've told today made a connection with your heart? Do you really know what God wants to say to you, and are you willing to hear it? I want God to change your story. So if that's you today, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I just want you to ask Him to forgive your sins and come into your life. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you, bring you to the front, or have you speak out. I'm just simply going to pray a prayer with you. And if you're that person, I want you to pray this prayer after me. And we're all going to pray this prayer together in the room in support of you, but you know who you are. And if you're on church online, listen, you can do that same thing. But I want to encourage you that once you make this decision and you pray this prayer, then I need you to take a step because we have some materials we want to give you, a book that we want to gift to you and, and that will help you along your spiritual journey and give you some understanding of what your next steps could be. And I want you to dial that number and, and, and just, just text NEXT1 to 94090. That's how we have to do it now, and it's okay, and you should do it. If you really want to make this commitment to follow Christ today, take the necessary steps to do it. And then a pastor will get in contact with you. So just pray this after me. Father God, everyone pray it after me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. Give me a new story. Change me. Change my direction. Change my heart. And Lord, I just pray that you'll save me. I ask you to forgive me. And I confess, you're my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And I commit to follow you as best I can from this day forward. I receive your grace. I receive your love. And I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise for that. Remember, just dial, just text next one. To 94090, and we'll have a pastor that will connect with you and help you along.